Hello and welcome to My Boga Conversations. My name is Lee Albert and this is MyBoga.com. I'm here today with Jan Guignon, uh, who I'm really excited to have this uh, opportunity to speak to because he is a gentleman with uh, an enormous amount of uh, uh, experience and exposure to the culture of the Bwiti uh, in Gabon and is very, very familiar with the problems which uh, th- we, they currently have regarding uh, the safe harvesting and protection of the Iboga plant. So our conversation today will be surrounded mostly uh, how you know in what way can we uh, act responsibly in the use of iboga so to begin with I'm going to give you some of his background I have to be honest there's so much that uh, I will have to uh, summarize it but hopefully this will give you a flavor of the man that I'm speaking to so Jan's first encounter with iboga was in 2004 when he um, met with a traditional healer called uh, Aristide in Grima uh, from Gabon um, and he helped Jan to deal with his uh, drug addiction which he had at that time. Um, Jan was working in uh, as a business manager in the information and communication technology sector for the sub-Saharan African export branch of Ares, a major French corporate. So it gives you some idea of, of Jan's uh, background. He's obviously a professional with quite uh, a lot of uh, responsible uh, experience. So in any case, after this experience, which uh, Jan continued to work with Iboga for the next two years, um, and he was so taken by his experience, he decided to form an association called Iboga uh, to try and bring these um, the, the remarkable therapeutic properties into the French, uh, the awareness of the French authorities, so that it could possibly be legalized for the treatment of drug addicts. Uh, in 2000. And six, after he sold uh, and merged his company, the, the, after the sale and marriage of the company he worked for, he went to Gabon and was initiated into the Bwiti tradition, um, into the, the Fang, the Sumba uh, sect. Uh, so, unfortunately, in 2007, um, a young drug addict who was being treated in France uh, died uh, from uh, Boga, and this made the headlines, and it led to Boga being uh, outlawed and classified, and the Bwiti being also described as a cult. Uh, this, of course, couldn't be further from the truth, but unfortunately, this is what t- happened. Um, so, as a result of that, the Iboga Association had to be dissolved. Jan returned then to Gabon and made a documentary on Iboga and the Bwiti tradition, and this is now available freely uh, on the internet. Um, so, Jan was also asked many times to speak on RTG1, which is a very popular Gabonese television channel, to raise awareness about the, the situation in France and the French attacks on their ancestral traditions uh, and Iboga, which in Gabon is recognised as nat- national cultural heritage. So. He's been received in in Gabon by the Gabonese Deputy Prime Minister and the Minister of National Solidarity, Social Affairs, uh, Welfare and the Fight Against Poverty. So he was asked if he would work in the field um, of... Um, of, of Iboga uh, to help uh, in uh, increasing understanding and he was invited to move permanently to Gabon. So um, 
Jan continued to study the Bwiti tradition uh, and visited many villages and traditional masters from all branches. His documentary was widely received and has been uh, shown around the world and he has also organised and cared for hundreds of travellers working in different traditions going to Gabon. Uh, he's probably well known for his connection with Tatayo, who I've spoken to before, uh, the president of the NGO Ibando, and the first European to be ordained, Nima, in uh, Master of Initiation in Gabon. Meanwhile, uh, Jan taught himself or learned from, uh, from Tatayo uh, many of the different uh, cross-cultural subtleties of working with people from around the world. Uh, and trained to be a, a, a Cambo, keeper of tradition, in addition to the training he had already received uh, earlier. Uh, so, uh, as I said, there is quite uh, he's, Nayan has quite a background. Uh, he met with Professor uh, Jean Noel Gassita, who holds a PhD in pharmacy, uh, and uh, he was who himself was a specific scientific advisor to the president of the Gabonese Republic. In 2011, uh, Professor Gassita and Yan convinced the Gabonese authorities to support them in, in reporting on the national and international state of affairs of Iboga through the foundation of the First Lady of Gabon, uh, Sylvia Bongo. Omdimba. Uh, so the report was submitted to the Gabonese government in 2012 and revealed that Iboga was soon to be threatened by extinction in Gabon uh, if an active protection and replanting scheme was not immediately set up. The, the Gabonese authorities decided to integrate Iboga into the framework of the Nagayo Protocol, which aims to uh, provide access to genetic resources and the fair and equitable sharing of profits arising from, from their utilisation. So in 2000 and, um, uh, 14, uh, uh, sorry, Yan was uh, acknowledged as a benefactor to the Gabonese culture by the Minister of Culture and was asked to represent Gabon at the fourth international conference on Ibogaine in South Africa, which was organised by the Global IT, uh, Ibogaine Therapist Alliance, Gita. Now we are going to talk a little bit more about that uh, conference and some of the, the points which are raised. So upon his return from South Africa, the, the, communi the communication team of the Gabonese presidency asked Yan to chair a television show about Iboga to share the information that was in his report with the Gabonese people. Uh, Jan has subsequently returned to France in 2014 uh, in order to be closer to his family. Uh, but he continues to with his work. And given the legal situation in France, he uh, set up a, a, a legal structure called Blessings of the Forest, um, which is set up in the UK because of the legal situation in France, as I just pointed out. So uh, I hope now that <laughs> with, uh, after all of that, there's obviously a hell of a lot we can be talking about here, but hopefully we, we can keep uh, our conversation uh, you know, uh, to the point and uh, convey some of the knowledge which Jan obviously has gained along the way. So Jan, hope I haven't kept you too, <laughs> waiting too long. How are you doing? I'm very fine. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you, Harpet, for inviting me and being interested about uh, uh, our point of view. I really appreciate your invitation. Thank you. Yes, no, I'm, I'm very happy to be able to talk to you because uh, the purpose of these podcasts is to try and, you know, highlight the issues around Iboga, its use, uh, and obviously uh, its harvesting and, and, you know, preservation is extremely important. Now, I, I saw the YouTube video that you sent me, uh, and it was quite a, an interesting uh, uh, video, it, you know, showing the traditional and medical use of uh, Iboga. And one of the things which st stood out was the, the dangers of um, people just buying Iboga 
uh, you know, ad hoc from, from various uh, uh, vendors. So can you just maybe explain what kind of dangers do we have? Um, I mean, yeah, uh, if we don't talk about the fact that this business is linked to poaching and some group of people are linked to international mafias, um, <clears throat> that's uh, a tricky area, except in that, the fact is uh, that now Ibuga um, Rudbark worth a lot internationally, and the poachers did understood that, did understand that um, a, a tree of Iboga can worth much more than an ivory tusk, and with uh, with with less risk um, legally, you know, uh, less risk regarding the law. Right. Uh, so. There's uh, um, Iboga becomes a big business for poachers, and because Iboga um, is sold by grams, you know, or kilos, um, uh, we talk about the price of a gram of Iboga. I don't know if I'm clear about that. Yes. So it's like cocaine or like cannabis. Uh, they can mix Iboga with other substances uh, to make the quantity uh, bigger for the customers. You know what I mean? Really? So yeah, of course. So what happens now is that the most a lot of iboga that is sold on the internet is could be fake iboga. Uh, it means that it, there's some plants who look like iboga, who have the same taste as iboga, but that are not iboga, and that have some chemical properties that can be very dangerous, you know, uh, for the heart, of um, for the brain, or for the tension, or stuff like that. So there's a lot of fake iboga that are more and more circulating um, in the market. Also, as I said, uh, to uh, make you think that you buy a good quantity of iboga, they mix iboga root bark with other uh, stuff that could be a lot of different stuff, right. including poisons, you know. Wow. Um, also, uh, the, um, the, the, the poachers used to first cut the biggest tree to have the biggest amount of, of iboga. The biggest tree are the oldest. And now the biggest tree, the oldest tree, become very rare. So now they start, for a long time, they cut the youngest trees. They cut trees that are less than five years old, um, that doesn't have enough ibogaine alkaloids in the tree. And if the um, uh, level of ibogaine alkaloids in the tree is not the right one, uh, and that, for example, there is much more other alkaloids like uh, lambarin in or other alkaloids that can have some um, uh, 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 um, heavy potential on on the on the tension, then you can hit a lot of iboga to feel the effect of the ibogaine, ibogaine because there's not enough in the right. in the root bark. But you eat a lot of other alkaloids that can be a problem for for your heart. In fact, uh, sorry for my English. No, I no, hope no, it's it, clear. It, uh, no, it's so a, yeah, it's definitely uh, dangerous. Yeah. Yes. No, I must point out. I mean, uh, yes, I, I know English is not your first language, but I'm having no difficulty whatsoever understanding you, and I appreciate you know that you would come on and. 
and have this conversation with me because obviously it's difficult uh, given that it is not your first language. But what I wanted to, to, to mention was that um, there has been a commission of traditional medicine set up in Gabon uh, because of the dangers of uh, the toxicity of trafficked Iboga. Now, when, when they talk about the toxicity of trafficked Iboga, are they saying that there are certain Iboga plants that are toxic as opposed to others? Yeah. Yeah, there's some, as I said, there's some cousin of Iboga that into the wild look like Iboga for someone who is not an expert. Mm. Uh, it's just, the difference is just on the color of the flower, the size of the flower, the presence of fruit or not. But if you look at the tree, if you look at the, at the leaves, even if you taste the, the, the root bark that is very bitter, like Iboga, it, you can really, um, uh, 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 how to say in English, uh, not knowing the difference between one or the other. So, yeah, definitely, there's some species, varieties of Taban Iboga that are very different to the main uh, known um, the main well-known variety that is Tabernante Iboga Bayon. There's other varieties that are very different with not the same uh, rate uh, of alkaloids and also without the, 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 the main interesting alkaloid that is Ibogaine. And also there is other, other uh, species that are not Tabernante Iboga, that are Ravolfia, uh, uh, Ravolfia, yes. Or Vuakanga, uh, or other other different plants that are toxic, yeah, and it's, it becomes more and more common. There's a lot of accidents that occur in Gabon because of that, and it's a problem also for the reputation of the Buiti, because when uh, you know someone is taking the medicine and he thinks he takes iboga and then he died, <clears throat> then the newspaper used to say, <clears throat> oh, he died because of iboga, where it's not proven that it's iboga. It also happened in in Europe uh, uh, several times. So, so are you saying that there are plants that are tabernanti boga that are different uh, to other plants that are also called tabernanti boga? I mean, is this a, a case of the same plant having, you know, been different or is it that they are not actually tabernanti boga? There's, there's seven varieties of tabernanti boga. Okay. And in these varieties, there, in these varieties, there is uh, two varieties that doesn't have the same rate of alkaloid. There is very little ibogaine in it. Okay. It's the first point. So there's other alkaloids where there's a toxic quantity that you can't support. So if you take a lot of these varieties to reach the effect of ibogaine, right. you can be un you can uh, take too much of the other alkaloids. That's the first point. Also, there is other species of plants that are not Tabernanti Iboga, that are Ravolfia, Mubasiana, or Voakanga, which looks like Iboga, but are not Iboga, and that are very toxic. Right, right. <coughs> so I can see, yes, I can see how um, easily it would be for someone in the West uh, to be duped uh, and misled by unscrupulous uh, dealers coming from Gabon, right? And yeah, yeah, or for Cameroon. And most of uh, uh, Iboga providers um, uh, who, who are linked to the poaching business are Cameroonian. They are not Gabonese. Right. Most of Gabonese people are quite afraid about selling Iboga because selling Iboga is not well seen in the tradition. 
Gabonese people respect a lot Iboga. Most of Gabonese people, of course, there's some Gabonese people are linked to international uh, illegal um, uh, traffic, but most of the traffic of the poachers are from Cameroon. Okay, and are they uh, trafficking out of Gabon? They come to Gabon, they poach Iboga, they come back to Cameroon and they export from Cameroon. Right. You, you know, Cameroon yeah. is border to Gabon, you know? Yes, yes. So uh, you, in Gabon, we used to arrest a lot of Cameroonian guys who goes into the national park or into the public domain or even into private plantation. They poach Iboga, then they go back to Cameroon where they can um, export Iboga easily because from Gabon, exporting Iboga is very complicated. Okay, so I understand that you need to have a, 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 a um, an authorization from the forestry uh, department before you can actually sell Iboga. Yeah. So, so are there people in Gabon who have this authorization? Are they selling? No the, one yet. No one yet. It's 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 in process because you know Gabon did ratify the Nagoya Protocol uh, in uh, in uh, in 2000 um, in 2011 November 2011. They ratified the Nagoya Protocol, but the Nagoya Protocol has not been implemented. Uh, mm-hmm. Yet, now regarding our uh, lobbying uh, in 2018, in January 2018, uh, the no, in, no, sorry, in January 2019, uh, the Gabonese government decided to totally prohibit exportation until the Nagoya Protocol is is uh, fully implemented uh, into the different administrations concerned uh, by the, um, the non-timber wood product that includes Iboga in Gabon. So actually, nobody in Gabon got the right to export Iboga. In fact, our uh, company, uh, community interest company, based on the forest, and our NGO based in Gabon, uh, we are helping the Gabonese government to implement uh, this Nagoya protocol, and we act as a pilot project uh, to be able to export a product from uh, uh, from the uh, private domain into the community forest uh, to customers. So uh, uh, at the, um, at the right, right now, at the moment we, we're talking, nobody got the right to export Iboga from Gabon. It's totally prohibited. It, it will be um, probably legal in the next year. We are working on that with first customers, potential customers. But first, they have to check where Ibogas come from, uh, is it in a permaculture project? What is the relation with the uh, with the with the villagers in the plantations? Um, uh, uh, do we have a contract with them? Do we have convention with them? Do we use chemical product? It's all that includes Nagoya Protocol. Right. Nagoya Protocol is a whole protocol about fair and sustainable business, and it has to include the traditional communities that are linked to this uh, cultural heritage. So uh, I'm going to Gabon in ten days for a new mission with the Gabonese authorities and we have to go into our plantation to count the trees uh, to know how much trees we have potentially to be uh, ready to be sold uh, to uh, check the quality, the quality because uh, for example if we export Iboga to laboratories uh, we know we has we need to provide some uh, um, how, do you, how do you call that? A GMP product. Yes. So we have to uh, uh, said, okay, this is this variety. This is uh, um, uh, it has been pl- planted in this age and this place. There's no chemical product. 
Uh, and we have to give a guarantee about the quality, about the way it has been transformed, about the price we did buy it to the villagers, about um, the, the benefits we do on that, how we share the benefits, and what will be, who will be the final users, if the final user is legal or not, uh, because Gabon will never allow to export Iboga, for example, to United States, where it's illegal today. And uh, do, and uh, everything has been, has been to be checked, like a blockchain, you know? We have to check right. from the plantation to the final customers is everything is fair sustainable and legal so we are working on that it's uh, that's why we signed a convention with the Gabonese government uh, about the implementation of the of the Nagoya protocol but once again at the moment we talk nobody got the right to export Iboga it has been totally blocked okay so uh, in your opinion then when the protocol is implemented do you believe that uh, that you know it, Iboga can be uh, harvested, harvested sustainably under this protocol? Yeah, of course. I mean, actually, Iboga in our project is already ha harvested uh, um, uh, sustainably and also in other uh, projects because we are not the only one. And there is another association based in Gabon we are in partner with. Uh, uh, called uh, um, uh, uh, sorry, I have oh, when okay. I search my word. Uh, um, uh, anyway, an association Gabonese, uh, a Gabonese association, uh, IRDC Africa. Sorry, uh, uh, leaded by Hervé Ovono, who is also uh, uh, planting Iboga into the private domain. Uh, in a fair way, without any, any chemical uh, product, there's some iboga ready to export. In fact, already, but it has been, it has to be, it has to be verified by the Nagoya Protocol that is part of the forest ministry. We have to count the trees. Imagine, for example, I just have a 100 trees plantation, and I and I and I ask for a permit to export 1,000 trees. It makes that uh, I I took uh, I did take 900 trees uh, into uh, the public domain, and the public domain in Gabon is totally reserved for the traditional national use only. So if you want to prove to the Gabonese administrations, for example, if we ask for uh, a license of exportation, we have to say, well, we have 5,000 trees that are six years old, and then uh, you can't ask for a license for 10,000 trees if you just have 8,000 trees. So they give you the right permit regarding what you right. did plant. Right. You know what I mean? Yes, so they yes, have to yes, check, yes, they have to yes. check yes. first on the field uh, yes. In the plantation, how many trees do you have? How old it is? What quantity it is? Right. And so we go into the first step uh, soon. Uh, it, it, it's a big cost. We have because we have to pay the per diem and the fees and the transport cost to the uh, forest ministry uh, team because they don't have any budget for that. And then we have to make a report and the presentation of the report. So yeah, it's a budget. So um, we were working on raising money uh, to finance that first step. Okay. The second, yeah, and the second step will be to find customers abroad who are ready to work in a fair and, and a transparent way, who, uh, who are legal, of course, uh, because uh, you can't imagine that Gabon uh, will give a license to export Iboga, for example, to United States, because uh, uh, Gabonese government can be accused uh, by Gaboni, by uh, United States uh, government of doing uh, uh, illegal business. So we have to check the legal status of the company who wants to order Iboga and to verify what is the final use. Uh, because of course we won't uh, sell Iboga to, uh, I don't know, gurus or fake uh, doctors. 
who don't respect some uh, precise rules, uh, safe rules for the final um, uh, customers. So we're going to check that, and we're going to make like a convention about the the, the split, the, um, uh, about the way the money will be shared uh, between the planters, um, the um, the the providers from Gabon. Uh, the guys will transform it and give the guarantee, the insurance, etc. We're going to send it to um, the clinics, for example. And then to uh, the patients, for example, they will verify that we don't buy um, a tree, for example, at 10 euros. Then we sell it at 2,000 euros to a clinic. And then the clinics uh, make 20,000 euros business with that. And then you clearly see that the profit will be, uh, in this case, uh, mainly in the pocket of the Westerners, and nothing for the Gabonese people. So the Gaia Protocol has to check that if the money is well split between all uh, uh, parts of, of the chain. Yeah, right. That so will be the second phase. Yes. So so actually, that that sounds very ex very uh, exciting. I I mean, what I saw, you know, what came up in the video was that uh, in the YouTube video was that the there's been a decline in traditional use. So you know, I, is this going to be a way through? Um, you know, the commercialization of iboga, is this going to be a way to maintain uh, sustainability? Sorry, I didn't understand so, okay, the question. So, so there has been a decline in the planting of iboga uh, due to the decline in its traditional use. Is that not correct? Uh, there's a word I don't understand. Is decline? Oh, decline. It's oh, so the the uh, amount of iboga plant that is the iboga that has been planted. Oh, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah of course. Uh, uh, the the goal for us is not to plant uh, iboga in Gabon just for Westerners. Uh, we have to secure the traditional use. Also, we uh, nationally. Also, there's a problem is that the the Westerners' uh, demand on iboga make the price raising for Gabonese people. It's a big problem. Uh, in uh, in uh, in nearly 20 years, the price of iboga in Gabon has been um, uh, has been uh, raised uh, 10 times. It's 1,000 percent more expensive now than it was 20 years ago. So imagine that if um, uh, we, uh, because of the international demand, the problem could be that the Gabonese um, uh, agriculture, the Gabonese plantation, prefer to sell iboga to Westerners rather to Gabonese people, be, people because they can't buy uh, the root back at the same price as Westerners. Right. So what we want to do is to guarantee a quality of iboga for traditional use at a low at a low uh, at a low price that Gabonese can offer. Actually, what happens in Gabonese villages is that they can't. Some of them can't afford iboga. Because now, uh, you know, you should understand that more than 80% of Gabonese people live in cities. They don't live anymore in the countryside. So when they want for Iboga, they don't go into the forest. And if you go around Libreville, in the forest around Libreville, the capital of Gabon, there's no more Iboga. Everything has been poached. There's a lot of places in Gabon that you can't find anymore Iboga. You have to go deep in the, in the forest to find Iboga. So now the, big, the Iboga business becomes concentrated in the cities by business, businessmen that are not all Gabonese people. So what happens is that Gabonese people, they, de they depend on, on these markets, and these markets become very expensive. So now what happens is that 
Sometimes they go into the market to buy iboga and the price is very expensive because, um, uh, because the market don't have a big quantity of iboga, maybe because an American guy came two weeks before to buy uh, 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 10 kilos of iboga, so they want to keep a high price for them. And then um, the Gabonese traditional people can afford it. And then you go to ceremony where they don't, there is not enough iboga for everybody. Everybody sometimes there's no iboga for the wow. ceremonies, and people replace iboga by alcohol, for example. By what and sense? Sometimes people, because people don't yes. can't find iboga during the ceremonies, they replace iboga by alcohol because they want to feel, you know, like a sensation, like. Ha, ha, a, yes, what's that word? Sorry, I didn't understand. Uh, alcohol. How do you say? Um, like whiskey or stuff like oh, that. Alcohol. Alcohol. Sorry. Alcohol. Yes, alcohol. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some ceremonies where, unfortunately, uh, there's not enough iboga because it's too expensive or they, they have not been able to find some into the forest. So they have a low amount of iboga. So they just give iboga to the masters or to few people. And the other people who participate in the ceremony, they can't have some. Wow. So what they do is they buy some alcohol. Or do you say alcohol? Alcohol, yes. Alcohol. They alcohol, buy some alcohol yeah. to yeah. feel something, you know, to feel like, uh, yes. I don't know what you say in English, but uh, uh, the, yeah, or, to, or they take all the drugs. Wow. wow. Well, that's uh, pretty yeah. awful, actually. It's a big problem. Yeah. yeah, of course, it's a big problem. Iboga become more and more and more rare and expensive in Gabon, and it really affects the traditional uh, communities. But, but has, is it true to say that it, it's used less now than it was before by the traditional community? Yes, of course, it's true uh, for many different uh, reasons. The main reason is the fact that there's a big evangelization of Gabon. Uh, 85% of Gabonese people are now Christians because of evangelization. And 8% are Muslim. Uh, so, you know, the, the traditional, the, the, the local tradition has been evangelized. Uh, can we say that? Evangelized, evangelized yeah. No, not uh, devilized. Um, uh, people used to say that it's witchcraft. It's oh not yes, good. it has been. I know. I know the words you are looking for. Devilized or devilized? I don't uh, know what to say. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Demonized, uh, demonized. Demonized, yeah, demonized. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, a Christian used to say, yes. or Muslim used to say, "Oh, this tradition are ancient. It's 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 uh, it's it's the devil. It's right. bad stuff. It's witchcraft, etc." There's a big attack from the Christians, mainly by evangelists. Um, uh, 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 against uh, the traditions. So, yeah, that's the first reason. Right. The second reason is that people want to imitate the Western way of living, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and now they live into cities and um, they, you know, they, they try to look like Westerners and they try to avoid their, their, their cultural heritage. Um, that's an, another reason. Yes, of course. And people work a lot now. They are stressed. They start to run like big cities in the world. So they have less time to uh, consecrate themselves to, um, to the tradition. There's many reasons. But yes, definitely. Right. Um, but this tradition is less and less practiced. I mean, uh, it, it would be interesting to make some survey about that because since few years, young people start to make like a U-turn uh, come back to their roots uh, because they see a lot of Westerners coming to Gabon for being initiated and they are very surprised 
And now what happens, it happened a lot with me, that when people see Westerners coming to be initiated, it's a big shock for them. Right. And for some of them, it becomes a shock to come back to that tradition. They become confident in their tradition because some Westerners are involved in the tradition. Yes, yes, uh, yes. It, it's weird, but it's one of the reasons my master... My masters did ask me to get engaged in that tradition because they said, well, black people doesn't believe black people. But it's fucking strange. But if yeah. a white guy says something or do something, black people would trust him more than the black people. Nice. So my master said, if you as a white guy, you said, oh, this is a great tradition, black people will listen to you and come back to that tradition. Yes. It, it's very weird. It's such a shame. But uh, it's, it's true because I've met dozens of dozens, even maybe hundreds of Kabbalist people who has been initiated after meeting white people uh, being initiated or after seeing my, my TV show or listening to my radio show in Gabon. Yes, I, I guess, you know, if somebody has not experienced Iboga, and that includes a Gabonese national, it's very hard for them to appreciate uh, how extraordinary Iboga is. Uh, and I suppose when they see the white guy coming, they think, my God, you know, what are they coming for? What, what could there possibly be in this Iboga that's so interesting for someone to come all the way from the United States? Uh, and I mean, regardless of whether you're Gabonese or, or you're Western or you're Irish or whatever you are, the experience when you have it is, is so out of this world. Uh, you ca it takes a long time to believe you've just had that experience. It's, it's quite incredible. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and you know, uh, in Gabonese tradition, we prohibited people to talk about their experience until years, because yes. they do think that you need to really step backwards, uh, a big, long integration period right. to be able to put word on it. Right. I would tell you, even me, uh, uh, 16 years after my first initiation, my first Iboga experience. I, I'm not sure I will find the right words to be able to talk about uh, the, the, the effect, the benefit I get from that, etc. I can say a few things, but, you know, it's, it's very difficult and it depends on your identity, on, on, on the plan you took, the right you made, your culture, your intentions, your health issues, etc., etc., and uh, it's tricky to talk about it. And I do understand why traditionally in the Orthodox branch of Britain, they prohibited, uh, um, initiated people to talk about it because you have to discover it. It's part of your, of your, of your process. It's an unknown experience like death. And, uh, uh, and uh, uh, we don't have to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to say to affect your journey in selling your, right. you know, I've, I've seen many guys making radio podcast or radio show and talking about their experience and, and um, I, I mean, it's not their fault because they don't always understand what they're doing, but the fact it, it can influence not the right way um, a candidate to initiation. It's not because... Right. Uh, Jesus, I don't know, it's not because Moshi, Moses did talk mm. to a bush, that you will talk to a bush. Mm. It's, uh, people talk about their visions, uh, but it's a mistake because you can have a great initiation without visions. There's not only visions, visual visions. So we see a lot of Westerners coming for visions because they want to see their ancestors, they want to see, to meet God and to have a talk with God and stuff like that. But it's not, it's not always happened like, happen like that. There's mm. many ways that it can happen. Um, I've seen many people coming to Gabon 
not having any visions, absolutely not visions, even not feeling the plants and having a very deep changing experience. Mm-hmm. Because it's not only about the physical effect, it's also about the invisible effect, about the right, about the treatment, about the bath, about the praise, about the, the community experience, the social experience, the meeting with the energy of the land, etc., etc. So, um, I mean, uh, I really advise to people to be very careful about sharing their experience because they have to allow any candidate to really have their own experience without any expectations right, about sure. what they're going to meet. Right. Yeah. So I want to ask you, why, why are the poachers coming from Cameroon? Why do they have to come from there to Gabon? Oh, there's many reasons. First of all, you have to understand that Gabonese people are not businessmen. Uh, they, are very, they are really known as not so good businessmen, you know. Uh, uh, they are mainly, they work a lot in administrations, it's a very rich country. Most of Gabonese people now work uh, for the government in administration. Uh, uh, for the government in administrations, the other Gabonese people are like um, uh, 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 are living the countryside. They depend on their family work in the administration in the cities, or they are um, uh, hunters or pickers. There's not agriculture culture in Gabon. It's like uh, agriculture just for the village. There's not big agriculture uh, culture in the in the in Gabon. Right. So Gabon are not big businessmen. Most of food in Gabon, 90% of the food in Gabon is imported from Cameroon. Cameroonian people have a different culture. It's the biggest country with lots of people. And uh, they have big um, uh, a culture of uh, of business. So um, yeah, uh, uh, Cameroonian people uh, they, they 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 harvest a lot for us, and they make a lot of business. Right. And also, you should understand that Bwiti is from Gabon. There's some few witty people in the south of Cameroon, but it's very recent. It's 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 from not so long. It's for less than a century. Okay. That that witty came to the south of uh, of Cameroon. Cameroon or the east of Congo or the west of um, uh, Equatorial uh, Guinea. Witty right. is Gabon. So they're and exploiting basically. They see they see something which is valuable and they're just exploiting it. That's it. So, but you know that as I told you before, Gabonese people in their culture they can't sell iboga. It's really, it's really prohibited. They can't sell iboga in the culture. And you should understand that in Cameroon, there are quite no iboga. It's very rare iboga in Cameroon. It's from, you can find iboga where you can find um, uh, buiti people and where you can find uh, elephants. Uh, that's where you can find a lot of iboga. So in Gabon, there's iboga quite, uh, by the past, there were iboga everywhere, in every part of the countryside of Gabon. In Cameroon, you can just find Iboga in the southwest of Cameroon, and it's very recent, because elephants are not well protected in, 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 uh, in Cameroon, pygmies right are not well protected in Gabon, in Cameroon, and Bwiti is not very, uh, uh, you can't find a lot of Bwiti people in Cameroon, so there's not a lot of Iboga in, in Cameroon. Also, the, the, the forests in Cameroon are very uh, harvested, uh, in Gabon, we have 12 national parks. There's a bigger uh, policy of protection of the forest in Gabon. That's why you can find much more Iboga in Gabon than in Cameroon. That's the reason why Cameroon guys 
come to Gabon because they know they can find much more Iboga uh, than in Cameroon. And That's I, it. I know that uh, elephants are endangered, right? And so yep. is that affecting uh, uh, the, the dissemination of the Iboga seeds in Gabon? The, the, uh, the yeah. Right. Yeah, of course. There are several animals that eat iboga, but the main one is elephant, the little elephant called asala elephant. It's not the big one, it's the little elephant, the elephant from the forest. The elephant, the asala for, uh, elephant is, is linked to iboga for very ancient times. He used to eat it during the reproduction period. Uh, because uh, Iboga has some elf, uh, some sexual, how do you say in English, uh, sexual uh, 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 aphrodisiac uh, yes. potential. Okay? Yes. So during the reproduction period, the elephant eats Iboga for their reproduction. And then, and then they walk by the forest, and then in their poo, they plant Iboga. And it becomes very good quantity and quality of Iboga because the seeds mixed to the poo of, Ibo, of the elephants uh, is very fertilized. I don't know if you say that. It's, uh, yes. it's fer fertile, how do you say? Uh, uh, it it creates it, it a rich uh, um, uh, environment to uh, help the Iboga to grow. Yes, yes, it's fertilized. Fertilized, yes, that's it. So, um, but the fact is, uh, 10,000 elephants are killed per year for ivory tusk, ivory uh, traffic. So, less, less elephants, less iboga planters into the white. There's also other animals that are linked to iboga. Monkeys, uh, like uh, baboon, uh, or, or other monkeys. Uh, parrots are linked to iboga. Some um, uh, uh, buffaloes, wild pig. But if those animals are a lot hunted, uh, you have less planters. Uh, that's the reason. So now in Gabon, it's well known in Gabon, it's well known in Africa, that's one of the best place, maybe the best place for elephant protections. Uh, uh, it's because of, in fact, it's because of, of uh, Irish Lord, uh, Lee White, that is actually the Minister of Forest. He's the guy who did convince the ex-president of Gabon, uh, uh, Omar Bongo Ndimba, uh, to create 12 national parks it's 13% of the area of Gabon. It's the second biggest, largest area of um, a protected forest in the world, after Costa Rica, in fact, in Gabon. So that's a big Eden for elephants. And uh, yeah, and, um, and that's why there's much more Iboga in Gabon, in fact. And so uh, is there, um, I mean, is there a role of edu in, in education, of education, is education playing a part in helping to protect Iboga? Yeah, we, we do. Uh, our NGO and also the association of uh, Hervé Ovono, IDRC Africa, uh, we make some education, some TV program, radio program, some uh, road trip around Gabon to make sensibilization in the, in the villages. We talk with them, we go into ceremonies, we sing some song. Uh, yes, we make a lot of sensibilization. And does education. it help? Does it, is it having an effect? Yeah, yeah, it does. Slowly, slowly, people start to plan, people start to contact us and, and start to ask us for help to, to start some plantation. Yeah, of course, it's help. Yeah, uh, and, hopefully it helps. Yeah. And how do the traditional Bwiti elders react to the to this commercialization of Iboga? What are their th feelings? Uh, you know, uh, there's different feelings because in Bwiti you have to separate the Bwiti that are practiced by people in, living to the cities 
that practice a new modern way of doing beauty and beauty in the countryside with people who don't know so much what happened in the cities with the westerners etc etc and those guys practice a very orthodox um, uh, uh, um, uh, branch of beauty those guys are totally against westerners to be initiated they are totally against the fact to give iboga to westerners or to sell iboga or to uh, allow people to uh, uh, go abroad to make some ceremonies and stuff like that. Ancient people, orthodox people are against that. But I talk a lot with them because my wife is the granddaughter of the, um, uh, the last king of the tradition who died a few years ago uh, called uh, uh, Mutamba. Um, and uh, I, I know very well this branch of orthodox beauty and we talk together and we explain them that we can't stop uh, the world about them coming to Gabon and discovering the plant and going abroad and discovering the benefit of the plant and yeah and they need help too but uh, it creates a lot of jealousy and and uh, also I mean, conflict because they start to say oh why guys they took us everything and now they take our last secret and they make a lot of business with that and they don't share with us and they don't respect us it's like a black Lives matter movement in gabon you know right. where right. that create a lot of jealousy and even hate upon westerners now more and more you can find some villages who decided to work with westerners who decided to open the tradition to um, to uh, people that are not gabonese people and uh, yeah but even them they, they meet some problems you know uh, because uh, sometimes they receive some westerners as a, and um, they come to to gabon not only westerners huh? also african people uh, uh, chinese people uh, uh, all the world is coming to gabon for right. booty right. and they come for one initiation they stay for two weeks or three weeks they buy one parrot um, feather uh, one um, a sheet uh, one hat and they come back to their country and they pretend to be masters and they start to organize ceremonies and they pretend to be booty masters Yes. And yes. and uh, and also then after that they then try to corrupt uh, Gabonese masters to give them the authorization to initiate or they start to uh, convince the the, the musician uh, the musician from Gabon to uh, to live abroad to work with them and then uh, it creates some competition between competition between men in Gabon and women also to uh, to make business with Westerners and create some jealousy, some competition. It really affects the tradition. Really yes. affects the tradition. But so I that's mean, why that's why we make some we make a lot of intercultural management uh, yes. uh, in this area. Yeah, mm. I think I mean I think you know the fact is that Iboga has astounding properties which are of course. Uh, you know, beneficial to mankind, regardless of where you come from. And, you know, it would be backward not to uh, to plan to move forward. Uh, and I think it sounds to me like what you are doing will lay the groundwork for a proper regulation, a proper handling of the plant in a, in a professional and in a, in a, in a, you know, in a caring way, which if you build on that, it's better than leaving it the way it is at the moment, which is very disorganized and very, as you just pointed out, all these people coming and going, uh, making themselves into masters and whatnot. Uh, so I think, you know, we, you do have to, we do have to move to the next stage, don't we? Mm -hmm. Yes, okay, no problem. 
You, do you agree with that, or do you agree? Yeah, with of that? course. You're the you're the leader. No problem. <laughs> I, I just follow you. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. So it's, it's a long subject. We can talk for ages about that. So, yeah, no problem. Let's go to the other subject. I'm very open. Yes. Okay. So uh, no, but I, I but I'm I'm interested though. I mean, do, do you think that uh, there is a future for all people in regards to boga? Sorry, what did you say? You know, is there like is it something which needs to be considered for all people? You know, as we go forward, old people, all people for all of humanity. Oh, you mean? Do I think that iboga is good for everybody? Yes, for humanity no. in general. No, I don't think so. Honestly, uh, you know, Nagoya Protocol uh it's very interesting to me because it says that you can't separate the plant to its cultural environment so it's a big discussion okay I appreciate it's a big that. discussion it's a big discussion in fact. okay interesting but now yes. if you look into the world in the nature for every people there's a solution around you that is that fits to your environment, that fits your culture, that fits to even to your DNA. For example, into the West, we can find some medicine that we can't find in Gabon. We have into the West our own psychoactive medicine. We have uh, mushrooms, we have um, cannabis, we have uh, a lot of different plants that are psychoactive that has been used by our ancient people into the West. And uh, uh, Nagoya Protocol used to say that you can't separate into the wild, the nature from the culture. Okay. And, you know, Iboga fits to Gabonese people because of its energy. The, the Gabonese people did create its culture around that energy, around this, this medicine, you know, around this plant. This plant has a typical energy. People who eat Iboga knows that. Hmm. It's a very young, very young energy, very masculine energy, very sharp energy. And uh, it, it's, I would say, even a brutal energy, you know? Mm -hmm. And it fits to the environment of, of Gabon, of the jungle. Uh, it fits to that environment where you have to be very strong because of the natural conditions around you that are very strong. And, um, and uh, also, you know, Iboga is a plant that works a lot of the, on, on your ego. Huh? People working with Iboga, they know that. Like uh, young people who just uh, uh, met Iboga, a lot of them become hassle for a few years. Tatayo used to say all his life he has been a hassle <laughs> because right. of, of Iboga. I mean, because when you hit it, you used to think that you understand everything, that you are on the right place of God, and that uh, you, 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 there is like a syndrome, the messianic syndrome, that you did understand everything, you're more clever than everybody. And uh, it's a big problem that we meet. Uh, with Westerners that uh, meet some big ego problems, some big uh, um, uh, psychological problem and social problem after the experience. Why? Because they are not in a community environment. Uh, uh, you know, um, I did lead a clinic in UK uh, for a few years, and we did stop. We did stop. You know why? We did stop because uh, it was very tricky for. British people to understand the community without entering in a cult model, in a, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, the community in Gabon is the family, is the village. It's your parents, your kids, your... We live in community in Gabon. It's really part of the culture. 
But it's not, the iboga is not a medicine that you can easily integrate it if you are isolated. It's not a medicine that you can easily integrate it if you, are, if you don't have elders on your side, if you don't have mirrors around you, if you don't have people with a much more bigger experience around you. So me, I've seen many people who come to Gabon and they have this experience with Iboga and then they come back to their place and they are very isolated. They can't share the experience with other people. And then they, they, they are stuck with this energy. They don't know what to do with this energy. They don't know what to do with this understanding of the environment, of the nature and stuff like that. I would tell you even that they, could, they can't integrate the medicine in the environment they live. Imagine like a guy who lives in the city uh, who has a big stressful business, who lives totally alone, he comes to Gabon, he's initiated and he realized that the, the, the real life is the forest and the nature and the community and then he go back to, to London, for example. He feels very perturbated, very frustrated. And it's very difficult. So, so what do you think then of iboga being grown overseas? What is your opinion on that? Uh, the, the first thing I would tell you is that first uh, uh, people tried to do it for 200 years, right? And nobody mm -hmm. yet did prove that it succeed. I mean, give me an example of someone who really succeed, not someone who said that he did plant. A proof that someone did succeed to plant iboga that arrived, that reached the mature age, like five years old, and that have the same property in the root bark. I mean, that's my daily job for 16 years. I've never seen any, any people accepting Cameroon or in Congo, and even in Cameroon in Congo, it's not exactly the same properties, but into the West, like in Hawaii or, or Mexico or South Africa or in France, I've never met anyone that it succeed to grow iboga that arrived to the maturity. And even if the one who did succeed to arrive to the maturity, there is one guy who did succeed in Mexico, the, the variety totally mute, mutated and the alkaloids are definitely not the same. There's mm -hmm. no iboga in it. Mm. So, I mean, now, the, the big question is, uh, we, there's a bet about the ability of people to be able to do it. But the fact is, most of people who try to do it, they have absolutely no, most of people have no training. They have no background in agriculture or engineering agriculture. Growing iboga is not growing tomatoes. You know? Of course, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 more it's even more difficult than growing uh, um, uh, grapefruit to make wine. Uh, people uh, people who are in this area they are not herbalists they are not uh, uh, they are not uh, uh, specialists in that, and uh, they, they they don't always understand what means endogen, endemic. What is what means endemic plant? Iboga is endemic. To the forest uh, of central of west uh, central africa because the soil got some special properties some special um substract right because there's an environment there's some special trees that are endemic to that area there's some special stuff in the soil like iron like uh, sand like clay <coughs> like uh, some special ants there is a pollinization by special bees there's some special animals that make the soil a particular combination, a particular mix to grow iboga. Even in Gabon, uh, um, Albert, even yes. in Gabon, I know masters who didn't succeed to grow iboga. 
There's some place in Gabon where you can't grow iboga. I've seen some masters of witty in Gabon who grow iboga, and you see a tree, yeah? and when they harvest the root bark, the root bark has no iboga in the in the in the in the in the, in the, in the, the iboga. In, in the there's bark. no iboga in the, in the bark. Yeah. So so, so it's a it's it's a very sensitive plant. Right. So what what's your opinion then of of the way in which uh, fukanga is being used? To uh, to uh, synthesize ibogaine, it's uh, great. Yeah, it, it's it's good. The only thing is that you need a lot of wakanga uh, mm. uh, to produce um, the same quantity of ibogaine that in, with iboga, and also the process to transform wakangin, uh, wakamin, wakamine, and ibogaine use a lot of chemical product. You know, mm. so at the end of the day. It's much more expensive to produce ibogaine from Wakanga and less ecological than using iboga to produce ibogaine. That's the first point. But I, I, I'm totally okay to um, to be able to produce ibogaine from, from Wakanga. Yes. And also, you should understand that most of people who are ibogaine providers, they use for their marketing iboga. And the fact that ibogaine is linked to iboga, that linked to beauty, African culture, etc. So what we see in Gabon is that even if people go to ibogaine through Wakanga, then they get interested into the root bark. They get interested, uh, sorry, in, into they get interested in the in the tree, in iboga tree. So the business of ibogaine from Wakanga affects the iboga. Right. Uh, uh, you know, because then people who have ibogaine from Wakanga, and I, I've met many drug addicts who have been delivered from ibogaine, uh, uh, from ibogaine to uh, from their addiction, and then they Google ibogaine, they find iboga, and then they start to order iboga because they want to connect to the origin of the of the of the of the, of the alkaloid that help that help them. So, as uh, and, and in the same time, the business of ibogaine, uh, of ibogaine from Wakanga, from Wakanga, raised. We absolutely have to plant more iboga because uh, it's linked. Right, right. Well, I, I think you know that, that given the huge opioid problem that there is, inevitably, um, this is going to be something that's going to impact the production of ibogaine. Uh, whether it you know is through Fokanga uh, and and uh, iboga the iboga plant itself, so the, uh, you know what you you raise very interesting points about the context in which iboga is taken and and used, and and that's not going to to it's it's not going to be a, a possible for many uh, you know chemically dependent people around the world to take it within that context. Yeah, I do understand. Mm. Uh, uh, I, I do understand that, uh, for example, um, a guy who is a drug addict and very poor in New York has to be able to 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 have this um, drug. He has to have the opportunity to get ibogaine, and I mm. don't say that it's impossible, mm. but I said that they have to consider all the things. Around that, mm. the preparation, the mm. tools that we use in Gabon, the knowledge we have in Gabon, yes. and, the, and the care, the have to care. Yes. Because yes. in Gabon, we use Iboga to integrate someone into a community. And there's a lot of to care. When you are initiated to Iboga in Gabon, um, uh, the elders follow you because they don't want you to become uh, an asshole. Don't they follow you? Right. 
And also there's a lot of knowledge that can be very useful for um, uh, 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 for um, uh, uh, ibogaine providers into the West. There's a lot of knowledge that they don't know, that they should right. understand. Right. And right. you know, I do believe that drug addiction is part of capitalism um, uh, disease. So it's a shame that the origin of the addiction that is capitalism, that is uh, isolation, you know, yes. uh, consumerism, uh, then you find a plant that is, it cuts your, uh, your addiction to drug, but it creates another capitalism disease that is by Riboga to guys who are linked to that heritage and being um, and without a fair relation, without considering their culture, without care for them. Oh yes, absolutely. I it's think, like a, yeah, a, a, I we fight against capitalism uh, disease and it creates another capitalism problem. Yes, I agree. So, I mean, yes, I, I think the Western society has, you know, has it has its own sort of uh, diseases, if you want to call it that. You know, the the whole, you know, the the, the dependence on capitalism and and the pressure that's on everybody to for a certain standard of living has created a dysfunctional behavior, which is then you know, it leads to the exploitation of the aboga plant and, and which yeah. is, brings you to our conversation and the work you're doing to try and protect it. Yeah, it, it creates a, like an addiction to aboga. Yeah. 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 You know, I've been a drug addict, well, not a severe drug addict, but I've been a drug addict to cocaine and cannabis and MGMA and stuff like that. And it takes, your whole, it takes the whole place in your life. Yes. Everything is better than drugs. So when you stop that drug, it creates a huge empty place. And then when people meet Iboga, they put all their energy in the plants. Hmm. And it creates like another um, system that is not totally well balanced, you know. So I don't say that it's not possible to export Iboga, but I say that Iboga is just the top of the iceberg of something and under that what is much more valuable is the culture around that. Iboga in Buti it's not the main thing. The main thing is the culture, is the community, is the knowledge. It's the, the, the full knowledge of the, of the forest, of the plant, the knowledge to the sun and the moon and the meaning of this and the meaning of that, of the colors, of the perfume, etc., etc. And I do think that it's a shame that for drug addict people, and I would even say for the um, uh, Afro-American uh, community, for example, that has been cut from their roots. It's such a shame that they, they can they meet Ibogaine without meeting the, the, the culture at the origin of the, of the, of the things that deliver them. Yes. Because the culture is, is what they need. The community is what they need. The understanding of the world is what they need. And Ibogaine is just a door. Uh, you know, I've seen many drug addicts that has been delivered from from um, um, uh, from uh, with, with the help of ibogaine, and uh, and uh, six. I would say some people used to say 60% of them, they they come back to drug uh, six months or one year after because uh, um, they, they don't have care. They, they they stay isolated. They stay in a system that pushes them to drugs. So for me, Iboga, and not only for me, huh, my master used to tell that, Iboga, it's a door to something else that is much more deep and valuable, that is the, the, the culture, the way to consider your ancestors, 
the way to consider the nature, the way to look at the universe, the way to consider your brother, your sister, your parents, your kids, the women, the, the everything. That's what Iboga is supposed to reveal uh, to people. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't, yes. I don't want to put everybody in this tradition, but uh, yeah. But now, bro, just to balance what I'm saying, because I don't want to see to be seen like an orthodox guy, there's a lot of people who find the way to appropriate the medicine and etc etc there's a lot of intelligent people who find who are well balanced and find a way to do it but uh, i also have seen a lot of problems that's why france did probably that because people start to use iboga um, in france they start to create cults in uk right. you, can, you can see that some people who are the masters the guru they know because uh, they eat iboga before everybody and they start to, they don't know, in the West, we don't know well how to manage community. And Iboga is deeply linked to the community culture. Right. Yes, you raise uh, a lot of uh, very important points that uh, I, I know I'll be reflecting on after this conversation. I just want to, just to go back to the, to the question of sustainability, I was wondering, uh, what is the local um, mentality of agriculture towards the plant in, in Gabon? Uh, as I said to you, Gabonese people are not planters. They are pickers and hunters. They are pickers. You should understand that Gabon is the size of Colorado, is half the size of France, okay? Right. But, but it's 85% of forest, and there's just 1 million, actually 1,500,000 people. So the country is quite empty. So just understand that before colonialism in Gabon, there were just 350,000 people in a big country, very rich, with a lot of forest and everything. So originally, Gabonese people didn't need to make agriculture because the climate is very rich, the forest is very rich. So it's like the, the Garden of Eden of, uh, in, in, of, uh, in Gabon. Uh, you are in the forest, you have fruits, fruits for free, vegetables for free, meat for free, fish for free. Everything is there. You just have to pick it, you know, you don't have to plant. So agriculture is not in the culture of Gabon. They plant, yes, but not so much. And it's very recent that they, they plant and they plant just for their own use, not for business. So now it's coming because there's a lot of policy in Gabon around agriculture. There's some help and people start to understand the difficulties and they want to be self, they want to be autonomous. Uh, from uh, Gabon, or, uh, from Cameroon, or other countries. So now agriculture starts, but it's definitely not in the in the in the in the, in the original mentalities. Uh, Iboga, originally in Gabon, is planted by animals and by witty practitioners who put some few trees around the village, right? And yes. then the animals they came, they come, they eat the fruits, they go into um, deep into the forest. And they plant it, the animals. That's the way it is. Or the right. pygmies, you know, sometimes uh, they, they take some uh, trees and then they plant other into the wild or around their village. But it's not like um, they decide to open a large area and then they plant a thousand of iboga. Uh, they're just, uh, actually in Gabon, there are just uh, five 
big plantation of Ibogara, four with us, Blessing of the Forest, and one with ERDC uh, Africa. So it's very recent. Our plantation are um, uh, three years old. ERDC uh, uh, Africa, it's four years old. So you see, it's quite okay. recent. Uh, can you meet the, the demand globally? Because I'm just wondering. No, uh, it's not possible. So, so what, at the moment, where is all the Iboga coming from? Is it illegally obtained? Yeah. Uh, 90, allez, 90, maybe 95 to 90, yeah, 95% of Iboga on the market is totally illegal. It's poached. It's right. stolen. It's poached. It's stolen. It doesn't come from private plantation. It comes from the public domain, from the national park. It's stolen into uh, a private uh, plantation. My, my adoptive father, the professor Jean-Noël de Gassita, the elder of Iboga Research, he had 200 plantations um, near a place called Coco Beach in Gabon. And in one night, um, a, a truck, I don't know what you call that, um, a caterpillar came. Yes. And it took all the trees. It has been stolen, you know? So actually, Iboga that is on the market, I continue to tell that. I'm sorry for people uh, who are linked to this, um, to this, but 95% to maybe 100,000, 100% of the market come from poaching. It comes from people who steal Iboga to Gabon or buy it for a very low price to kids that they send to the national park to sell. That's my job. I work with the first anti-poaching association of Africa. It's called Eagle Law, Eagle Law Enforcement. They have an office in Gabon called Conservation Justice. It's my main customer. So it's my job, anti-poaching. We know we have, we did arrest a lot of people. We have report on that. We know exactly what is the, 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 the chain uh, between the white and the, and the Ibogaine clinics or fire customers. It's poached. And people have to be aware about the fact that these poachers are also linked to ivory traffic, panther skin traffic, gorilla traffic, um, uh, organ traffic, uh, human traffic, weapon right. traffic, drug traffic. You should understand that it financed the Chinese mafia of Macau. It financed Boko Haram terrorism uh, in Niger or Nigeria. The, the guys who are doing uh, uh, this kind of, of trafficking are not nice guys. Right. I'm not well, nice guys, yes. and uh, and uh, and also the corrupt authorities, the the, the corrupt uh, the, the the people at the borders. So yeah, I mean most of Ipoga that people buy in the world are really linked to a dirty business, and it make the, and it make Ipoga being endangered into the wild. And, and and that, it, I, I'm just curious, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, do you, the work that you do does not come with a certain amount of danger? Yes, of course. I've been threatened to death several times, and uh, I'm under protection when I go to Gabon, and I work with authorities. And yeah, of course, yes. Um, three guys from from the the, the NGO I work with uh, has been shot last year uh, in Congo. So yes, I mean, uh, you you must know that. Environmental and native rights activists are killed uh, all every year uh, in Africa, in the world, uh, in, in South America, Brazil, or in Africa. I mean, there's hundreds of activists are killed every year. Yes, that's true. Uh, wow. So yes, it's, it's not easy. I've been threatened to death several times. 
Of course, including by Westerners, huh? including by Westerners, including by Ibogaine uh, uh, providers. Yeah, of course. Really? Yeah, of course, by a British guy, a British uh, Ibogaine providers, and actually I got some problem with the German one. And why, why, uh, would they, why would a provider threaten you? I don't understand. Because uh, I, I ashamed them on Facebook about the fact that they are linked to poaching and it affects their business. Oh, <laughs> right, right. Yes, but from what you've said, basically all the clinics are operating with uh, pretty much a boga that's been poached. Most of them, I mean, be quite all of them. Hmm. They, they, they don't want to admit that because they say, oh, no, it comes from a fair place. I know the guy. But most of them never came to Gabon. And they, they decide to stay voluntary blind, not look at the truth because they are in link with someone at phone or with an African guy. We tell them that, oh, no, I have a plantation. I'm, I'm a Gabonese, etc. Well, they're not. I, we have all problems about that. I can provide to you, Albert, if you want, after this conversation, uh, uh, dozens of files um, of people who sell Iboga on the internet, who sell Iboga to clinics, who are just coming on guys who have no plantations, who are, no, who are not linked to traditional uh, communities, who are just poachers. And uh, that's, that's the truth that people don't want to look at because it's a shame for them and these people uh, pretend to help the others and, or to be spiritual where in fact they are linked to a capitalism dirty business uh, that create a lot of dramas. So, so they don't want to look at that. So, ha, ha, I mean, if you continue with, the, uh, with your plans for creating, you know, farms, excuse me, under the Ngoya protocol, how many years do you think it will be before you, you have a sustainable model? We are, we are, we are ready already. Now, we, we, have, we, don't, we can't provide the 160 million opiate addicts in the world. And I just talk about opiate addiction because Iboga is not only for opiate addiction. It's also for Alzheimer and Parkinson and PTSD and, and uh, self-development, etc., etc. But there's potentially hundreds of million people who want to hit the plant. Yes. <laughs> so imagine one tree per guy. It means hundreds of, of millions of trees that we need. We just have to shave totally the Gabonese forest to plant one tree every uh, three meters to be able to provide uh, this market. So it's a big problem for sure. So uh, how much of the native uh, plant is still left in the forest area? It's very difficult to count, you know. Uh, uh, you should understand that Gabon is a, a, a wild country where there's just two roads, so you can't go very deep in the forest. But, I mean, we have made several times the tour of the country. We are work with pygmies who go very deep in the forest. And there's around 20 to 25 wide area where there's some few Iboga left, you know? Yes. But every year, uh, some of them disappear. For example, Cocoa Beach, there were a lot of Iboga. There's no more Iboga. Around Libreville, in the um, department of, uh, of uh, Estuaire, there's no more Iboga. Mayumba, that was an area in the southwest of Gabon where a lot of Iboga was growing there. You can't find any more Iboga. People going to the national park. We have reports about that. There's many areas where um, 20 years ago, there was hundreds of thousands of trees where you can't find any more. So it's very difficult now to find Iboga into the public domain. So it's very, very, very difficult. So what quantity of Iboga do you estimate is being trafficked per annum from Gabon? 
we estimate that it's around it's around two tons per year of food bark. And at the moment, you have you've told me that you've got uh, two. Uh, farms is that correct or there are three yeah, farms four, four farms four farms so what output can a farm p- produce for example in a given year um actually we have one farm that have two thousand material trees ready for exportation if we find the right customers that are okay to respect the Nagoya protocol etc etc ideas africa has few thousand trees too ready to export and then, IDRC um, Africa has the biggest plantation. It got 46,000 trees that are three years old. And we do have 6,000 trees that are around three years old too. So in total, we have 52,000 trees plus 2,000 trees ready. We have 55,000 trees uh, potentially for exportation. But, you know, 55,000 trees, it's nothing regarding the market. Mm. It's, it's, it's peanuts. <laughs> we have to plant th- hundreds of thousands of trees. And we, won't, and, and, we, and we won't shave the forest for that. So, of course, some studies need to be done about the right environment that Iboga needs to grow properly to be able to export this knowledge to allow other countries that meets the same environmental conditions, like maybe Brazil or maybe uh, Peru, or maybe Guyana, some country, or Congo, or Cameroon, of course, and, uh, um, to be able to plant, because Gabon will never be able to provide Iboga to the world. It's too little country. We won't shade the forest for that. So, uh, but some studies need to be done, because we don't know yet, technically, scientifically, we don't know yet how to be sure that you're going to grow Iboga in the right environment that will provide the same uh, uh, chemical properties into the world back once the iboga will be matched. It needs to be studied. Yeah, it sounds like there needs to be a huge uh, investment in in setting up more farms in order to offset the illegal trading which is going on. Um, and uh, you know, do you do you look for investors? Do you look for people to get involved? For uh, so now, we don't look for investors. We look for donators. Mm. <laughs> Ideally, what we would like is the Ibogain community to feel concerned about this subject. Um, uh, uh, for example, people who get profit from Iboga, people who have been healed with Iboga, it would be great that they give a feedback uh, to Gabonese people or to the cause or to the plants or to the forest in giving some few stuff donations to help us. We try to get some help from MAPS. We are in touch with guys like Dr. Bronner. We are in touch with guys like ISIS, like, uh, you know, like, um, um, uh, uh, like um, um, uh, funds from Canada, because Canada tried to regulate Iboga, or uh, Israel tried to regulate Iboga, so we're in touch with them. Uh, we don't look for investors now because we are a public company. We are not um, a private uh, profit company. Um, we are a public company. Mm. Um, we are a social enterprise. Uh, so we can't make a business plan where someone will give us one million and we give him profit on that, etc. It's a possibility. We are thinking about it. But first, what we're trying to get is donations, help, um, finance, feedback from people who get some benefits from, from the plants. 
Yeah, it sounds as though you would need to have many, many, many farms in order to balance the uh, illegal poaching that's taking place, and that would require a huge amount of uh, a huge number of donations to achieve that, right? Yeah, we did, we did estimate that we ideally we would need around for for the ideal project, huh? for yes. the really perfect project with everything and a center and sharing the knowledge and making the proper studies to be able to bring some, to make a, a bank, a seed bank and be able to export some seeds with the right knowledge to, uh, to give the possibility to other countries to plant, etc., etc. The EDR project would, will, will need like 2 million euros. Okay. Um, now we have different steps. The first step is around um, 500,000 euros to to have around 20 plantations and to be able to provide uh, uh, 100,000 trees. Yeah. Per year. Uh, uh, um, yeah, per year in a GMP standard. Right. Yeah. In a fair way, with the money well split, will you know every guarantee about the quality, etc., etc. Yeah, we would need 500,000 euros to. So- to, to start. So this is the work that you're doing with Blessings of the Forest, is that That's correct? That's it. But actually we work with 10,000 euro, uh, with 10,000 euros per year. <laughs> okay, so the problem it seems at the moment is that the, uh, the, the provider community is not giving back anything to Gabon. No. And, they don't. And so in order to achieve your, your financial target, well, how much of it would you require from each, each person that was treated? What amount would, would meet your needs? Uh, 10 you euros? Know, Sorry? You, you, we, 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 it's very, lots of people did ask me how much, cost to, how much cost to tree. It's a fucking question, fucking yeah. difficult question, how much cost a tree. Mm. Um, but we have made something, we did estimate that the tree cost around 30 euros. Mm. So what we used to say is ideally, per guy who has been treated by the plant, we would like three trees to be planted. Why? One for himself and two for people who make advertising about the Iboga. Because we have seen that when a guy is treated with Iboga, he used to spread to the world, oh, Iboga saved me, Iboga is great, eat Iboga. I've seen some t-shirt about enjoy Iboga, you know, like Coca-Cola, you know, enjoy Coca-Cola with the same yes. colors, etc. So someone who is delivered from Iboga, they, he used to make a lot of advertising, a lot of noise around that. So ideally, we did estimate that per guy, who has been treated by the by Iboga, we should plant three trees. So it make uh, 90 euros Dollars. per guy treated. 90 yeah. euros. Okay. Yeah. So the target would be 90 euros per guy treatment. treated. Okay, that's interesting. Um, uh, interesting. And uh, so that's something to, to reflect on. Um, so just going on to another few practical topics, actually, is, is climate change impacting you in any way? Yeah, indeed. Um, uh, Iboga needs uh, 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 a particular amount of of um, of uh, water, of rain. It's about eighty percent, you know, uh, of of rain. It needs a lot of water. And uh, actually, what happens is there's longer dry season in Gabon, and while there's some rainy season it's very strong there's too much water there's floods you know like everywhere in the world and if iboga get too much water it die 
if it has not enough water, it dies. Also, there's, you know, the, the temperature did raise, and iboga dies um, up to 40 degrees Celsius. It dies. So if it's too hot, iboga dies too. And also iboga has to be, it's a plant that grow well under the forest. So if the forest burn or if the forest is shaved for timber, from timber exploitation, for example, uh, iboga can grow in the right way. Also the pollution of the soil affect iboga. Uh, so yes, definitely the climate change uh, affect very deeply iboga. I know a village in Gabon that I did advise to plant iboga nearly 10 years ago. They did plant 750 iboga trees, and uh, four years ago, um, it was very, very hot in Gabon without enough water, like it is in most of the countries, it's the same in Gabon. Uh, three quarter of the plantation, 75% of the plantation died. It was too hot, not enough water. And water is a problem in Gabon. Huh? Uh, there's not uh, there's no infrastructure when you have to bring water to a plantation of 1000 trees it's a big problem so on an annual basis are you seeing a noticeable decline a noticeable impact per year mm. sorry what you said so on an annual basis so for example next year will you see like an will the effect of climate change be 5% reduction uh, you know, is there, is there, have you measured the impact? No, honestly, I, I can't answer that. I would say bullshit. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I may be an estimation, but no, it's, it's okay. too tricky to answer. Okay. Sorry. That's yeah. okay. No. Now, I also read that um, the, you know, the, uh, the, due to developments and so on, uh, urban development, that uh, local people are being, uh, are, are getting access to the plant is being restricted so they can't yeah. go and collect. How big yeah. a problem is that? Yeah, it's a big problem because people leave the countryside to go into the cities. So they live in small area, you know, in, uh, how do you call that, like township? Yes. With no space, with no green, everything is shaved, so they can't grow iboga. But actually, people uh, uh, escape from the countryside. They go into the cities. But also, is private property pre preventing access to forested areas? Yeah, because uh, most of the Gabonese forest has been sold to Chinese. Right. When you say so, most, uh, how, how great, a, a large amount are we talking? Half. Half? Yeah, half of the forest now is owned by Chinese, Indians, French, Italian, um, other countries, but mainly Chinese, Indian and French. Yeah. And it's been sold to them by the government? Yeah, it's even more than 50%. I got cards of that, if you want a precise answer, but it's, it's a lot. It's even more than 50%. is. Is permits uh, that has been sold to uh, uh, to uh, to timber industry. So they have permission to basically clear the forests. Yeah. And is there no uh, you know a Gabonese sort of uh, indigenous movement against? Yeah, there's a lot, but uh, corruption, mafia. Uh, yeah, corruption and mafia and. Uh, um, um, uh, financial uh, uh, financial uh, support. Uh, you mean when you have to fight against Chinese mafia? It's it's quite complicated. Yes, Chinese mafia. I used I used to arrest a lot of them, 
and they tell you fuck you i gave you uh, i gave uh, um, uh, 5 billion to the gabonese uh, uh, government to this minister or to this guy so what can we do the guy is arrested and and he doesn't come to see the judge or a few days after he's out of jail that's it that's the corruption so uh, it, it's a big problem so now what we try to do is to create alternative to poaching is to prove to the gabonese governments that it's worst it's more worthy um uh, to um, yes. get to develop some sustainable project financially than to just sell the blood of the forest and they start to understand that or we make some law enforcement so there's a lot of lobbying to make law enforcement but uh, uh, unfortunately there's still corruption and uh, and uh, people being killed or arrested and stuff like that uh, because of the of the mafias that are involved in the in the illicit in the illegal uh, and uh, 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 wildlife traffic. Yes, I, I'm just blown away by all that you're telling. You know, all that you're saying. Uh, it's 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 quite a, a quite a, a, a heavy problem or an overwhelming problem. And 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 do you feel positive about the future in terms of the work that you're doing? That's a good question. Sometimes I wake up and I just want to, to give up, you know. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm now Gabonese. I'm married to Gabonese women. I've been adopted by Gabonese uh, uh, people. I got a company in Gabon. I, I'm, I've been saved by Gabonese people, so I can't give up easily. And uh, also I see some effort that, has, that are done, like the Nagoya Protocol being signed, like um, the law that we did force to be signed to prohibit exportation until there's no Nagoya protocol, there's no rules about uh, the exportations. We see some people start to plant. We see some awareness uh, growing into, with young people, with traditional people. Uh, the law enforcement in, is, is, is coming more and more. People start to really realize the importance of the plant, of the environment, of sustainable development. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm forced to think positively. Yes, and uh, I think I think it's it, it, at the end of the day, we all it's the best way to think. I think it seems to me though that you know that what you said is is true is that at the end of the day, money talks. You know, um, and if you can show people a way in which preserving their culture and you know preserving the plant is actually beneficial financially, then I think you know that's probably one way to achieve success, is it not? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, we take the example of Peru or the example of Costa Rica and we prove, the Gabonese government try to prove and we start to succeed, to success to prove to Gabonese government that uh, tourism, eco-tourism, cultural tourism, uh, it's, it's, it can create a lot of profit. And so uh, an, a, a living elephant or a national park uh, can create much more money than a dead elephant or a national park being shaped, yes. empty. So we take the example of Peru with ayahuasca tourism, that it's a big economy, or Benin with Vodou or, or country like that, or national park into the south of Africa or Costa Rica. And we take that example to, to explain them that 
there's a lot of profit to do with ecotourism, with uh, initiative tourism, with uh, um, uh, uh, how do you call that? Handcraft, um, you know, uh, artisanal, artisanal stuff. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, we, 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 we do our best. Uh, it's it's the main subject of my next mission. It's it's to talk about alternative to poaching. It's to prove to villagers that if the plant, if they have um, um, uh, a house to receive tourists, if they make uh, ceremonies, if they make some basket, if they make some instrument of music and stuff like that, they can make much more profit than in killing elephants or selling uh, trees to, to uh, Cameroonian businessmen for uh, 10 euros, you know? It's, exactly, uh, yes. So uh, slowly, slowly, we, we have more people that understand that, and slowly, slowly, there's more pressure on the government, and we pray that the, um, the spirit of the forest, the spirit of the plant, the, the spirit of the universe, the goodwill of people uh, will uh, help us to, to reach the goal. Yes, of course. Yes, so education clearly is very important and, and creating an, an economic model that people can understand is to their benefit. I wanted to ask you about the seed bank. I mean, uh, so what is the, I mean, so what, what, what is the objective of the seed bank? Is it to, exactly? The objective, the first objective of the seed bank is to be sure that Iboga will never be, uh, will never disappear. The second goal is to help local communities to get some seeds to start some plantations, good quality seeds to start some plantation. Um, for example, if a Gabonese guy comes and said, oh, I want to start a project, but he doesn't have seeds. We have to be able to, um, to give him traceable seeds that we know which variety it is, what quality it is, etc. Now the third project is to be able to export seeds to other countries that have the natural, the environmental uh, abilities to grow iboga. So that's the three goals. Uh, to protect the trees, to be sure it's, it, we always be able to plant, to help some local communities to start uh, uh, plantations, and then, uh, then also to start other country to to grow iboga in their country for the local use. Uh, imagine um, uh, uh, if the, the, if Brazilian people start to to use a lot of iboga, it's a shame to take plane uh, to bring iboga from Gabon by plane to uh, to Brazil. It's an ecological shame and it's a financial shame because it costs a lot. And at the end of the day, iboga becomes much more expensive if there's a lot of logistics. So yes, in the future, uh, it's good that countries use Iboga are able to grow Iboga near them to have a local production of Iboga for their own use. But we want to start by Gabon. And to have a seed bank, does that require a lot of uh, capital? Not so much. Uh, uh, not so much, but... Uh, uh, but technically, we start to think that yes, because you can't keep the seeds for so long. You know, the seeds, if you want to keep it for a long time, it has to be uh, put in uh, a particular bag without air uh, in a cold uh, environment, you know. Uh, so 
uh, we can't keep the seats for too long. At uh, at one point, the seats get uh, exactly uh, are not good anymore. You know, so, so, so yes. Yeah, so to yeah, keep the seats so for a long time, you need you need it needs infrastructure and that needs invest it needs mm -hmm. capital, right? Not a big one, but yeah, we need definitely fridge and being able to put the seeds into uh, bags without air and yeah and put that into fridge uh, yeah yeah no that's interesting so this is part of the the mission of blessings of the forest is it yeah yeah and so you said earlier that your first uh, goal if you like is 500,000 euros to reach a certain uh, a certain certain goals that you have and and yeah. the seed bank is part of that yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah. And uh, it's uh, it's five hundred thousand euros for the next five years. Okay. But uh, recently, we did talk with uh, uh, with a donator about our next goal. Our next goal is next month. We need ten thousand euros. Between the end of the year, we need uh, thirty thousand euros minimum to to make lobbying uh, for the implementation of Nagoya Protocol uh, to get a convention and to start. And the pilot project uh, uh, to be able to export Iboga. But now, of course, if you receive half a million euros, we know what to do. We're going to start 20 plantations, we're going to start a center, we're going to start the studies about the soils and uh, the, the specificity of each varieties, uh, we're going to publish uh, some um, report, uh, maybe a movie. And we're gonna, yeah, uh, uh, we know what to do. We have a million, you know, for sure. And how many people uh, are you in, in Blessings of the Forest? How many are, are you working with? Uh, so what, sorry, what is the so question? How many, how many are you in, in, the, in the organization? How many uh, people? In the organization, actually, we are around 15 guys uh, uh, with. Um, Quite all of them volunteers. I mean, nobody gets salary. Okay. <laughs> so we have 15 volunteers. And uh, now um, on the field, in the plantations, uh, we are, uh, we did count recently, we are 200 and, uh, 256 guys. And, and the 15 guys you refer to in the, I guess, in the management structure, are you, apart from yourself, is everybody from Gabon? Uh, most are from Gabon, but there are some people that are not from Gabon. Mm -hmm. uh, my co-director is uh, is um, a Jewish, uh, British, uh, Ukrainian, uh, uh, Iraqian guy. <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, he's the co-director. He's, he's a Chinese doctor and Tai Chi professor. Mm -hmm. Is uh, is uh, in charge of um, of uh, raising money of uh, the, the English spoken network. Uh, we have uh, the webmaster who is uh, from Ivory Coast and uh, is mixed French and Ivory Coast. Uh, we have uh, yeah, a few guys that uh, the, the community, uh, we have uh, like uh, someone involved in translation document who is, who is British, uh, but most of people are Gabonese. The executive manager in Gabon is Gabonese, uh, the accountant is Gabonese. Uh, um, yeah, of course, it's, it's I would say, yeah, uh, maybe it's 50-50. So, yeah. so everybody has got a, a different set of skills and yeah. that, to contribute. And how did you all get together in the first place? Oh, I did to get together? How, how did the group form? How did it actually, you know, how, By, what brought the group together? 
it was first me and uh, and then people start to help me like Tatayo is part of Blessing of the Forest yes uh, and then uh, a few guys start to come and say we want to help and then we see how they can help if they can help um, and uh, because we have a lot of volunteers in fact but some, sometimes people can't help because they don't really understand the cultural environment the political environment or they don't talk French and it can be tricky sometimes <clears throat> but uh, yeah people come to us and say hey I want to help I said okay what's your skill oh I'm a lawyer okay we need a lawyer that's great um, so we have a lawyer, Gabonese lawyer, and we have two international lawyers to help us, you know, with um, uh, with anti-poaching or help us to um, to negotiate convention with partners like ICs or stuff like that. Yeah. Great. It sounds... So I, I, I've been the first, and slowly, slowly, people uh, comes to join the team. So well, uh, I, I'm really glad that we that we finally managed to sit down together and have this conversation because I've learned a lot, and I'm, I'm sure people who listen to this will be left with a lot to think about. And it sounds to me as though what you need most of all at the moment is you need uh, some you need donations, right? That's that's it. Yeah, donations, uh, donations are are people who talk fluently. English and French, mm -hmm. that's very important, uh, who are connected to the plant and who have some particular skills, for example, uh, um, web designing, um, a community, uh, you know, um, networking, um, uh, raising money, or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but in fact, yes, we, we do. First, we do need money because we know what to do with money now. Uh, we know we know what to do. Uh, we know we know what to do with money. So we need donations. Yeah. First. It's, yes. It sounds as if um, you you know. It sounds to me like the, uh, there should be some uh, form of um, if you like um, so, you know b b uh, providers uh, signing up uh, with you in some way and committing to a certain donation for each treatment that they perform. It sounds to me like that would be uh, very yeah, important. I, yeah, you know, Albert, in total transparency, I've been two times to JITA conference. Hmm. And I have went to other conferences, I did participate to some um, online meeting and stuff, and I know, I would say, most of providers. And they know the cause, you know what we're doing. Hmm. Uh, but some, for some reason, uh, quite no one is, is, is financially helping us. Few are helping us. The one who's helping us the more is an Irish guy. <laughs> right. It's the Irish guy, uh, Terry McCabe, um, who lives in, yeah, in UK. Is a guy who, who, who has been helped by the plants and is financially help us a lot. Uh, but most of people we we know them and they don't support us. We don't. They don't support us. Right. They don't and, support. And, and uh, why? I would say. Ah, oh, yeah, that's a question. I mean, honestly, I think that I've not been so good in communication. You know, I I'm I'm quite seen as a badass. <laughs> And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to improve my English, but at the very beginning, I didn't have enough vocabulary. I was a little bit too much activist, and I used to shame a little bit people with their business. And, um, and, uh, and uh, 
and uh, I've not been so good in communication with this and with this network. But now I'm better. Now my co-director leads the network, the English poker network, for less misunderstand misunderstandings than me. I learn how to not share my frustrations or my particular energy of uh, of an activist because I'm an activist, I'm an right. activist. So you know, people are scared a little bit by my energy, and um, I'm not always so good to be understood. But I think I'm changing. That's, that's the first reason. The second reason is that a lot of those guys um, don't want to be transparent about their business. A uh, lot okay. of those guys are not legal. It's, right. uh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, how do you say, gray zone uh, clinics, you know. Right. <laughs> a lot of, the, of those guys are just here for profit right. or for power, you know, for ego-centered reason. They right. don't give a fuck about Gabon. They don't give a fuck about black people. They don't give a fuck about native rights. Uh, it, it, it's also a big reason. Yes. And, uh, and that's it. And also, you know, I know some activists in this environment who does a lot, who, does, who, do, who do great job, uh, but um, they, are, they don't make so much profit and, uh, they, and uh, they don't have so much money. So we have a lot of people that support us in terms of, um, of goodwill in terms of uh, liking our publication on Facebook. <laughs> but uh, donation, we received precisely, the average of donation received this last five years has been 11,000 pounds per year. So it's really peanuts regarding um, the business that the whole network of providers are doing with Ziboga. It's really yes, peanuts. It's peanuts. I, know, I, know, I, know, I know providers who are doing hundreds of thousands of euros profit per year with Zibona. But yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think what you said is, is, is the problem is that if they were to collect 30 euros from every client, then that would, would indicate how, how many clients they had and that would, would make their business less trans, more transparent. And maybe, as you said, they don't want to be transparent. They want no, to, they don't want, no, they don't want to be transparent. And, um, and uh, yeah, and uh, they don't want to say how much they make their ceremonies or the treatment. They don't want to be transparent. Or all the money could be split in a fair way. And uh, and yeah, and uh, they say, oh, we need to build another clinic. Uh, you, 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 you understand that, for example, in Costa Rica, they had a clinic where people has a, a swimming pool and they have a chief and they come with an helicopter. And they think they need that, you know. Right. It's such a shame because they prefer to buy an helicopter for that guest rather to help us to, to finance a plantation. It's crazy. And, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's egoism, basically, for, for a lot of them. Not for all of them, but for most of them, it's, it's egoism. Uh, or, or just they don't care about, about the cause. They don't care. Or it's just ignorance. They don't know ignorance, you know, or they don't like me. That's why uh, I did. Uh, we did take. A, I did take another co-director. Uh, we did uh, now. It's a Gabonese guy who is the executive manager of the company. Uh, for people to know that it's not only Yann Guignon. It's uh, it's a team. And okay, uh, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm French, unfortunately. So <laughs> I'm sorry for that. I'm born like that. I'm French, so I have a particular way of talking and. Uh, 
and uh, it's not always on this uh, yeah but I mean uh, I, I really for people that hear this podcast and that I did hurt with my activism I deeply sincerely apologize it's a difficult um, mission I have uh, for my family, for my career, for my comfort, because, you know, uh, I was a business manager for a big company, and now, you know, I just rent a small house, I got three kids, and uh, I don't make any, I don't have any salary. So sometimes I got frustration, sometimes I'm angry, and, uh, you know, this area is full of people who are not so nice, huh? <laughs> uh, this area is full of people who are really not nice. There's a lot of nice people. Uh, I can nominate them, you know. And, but uh, there's a lot, of, also a lot of bad guys in this uh, in this environment. And sometimes I have to be tough. I have to be tough. Yes. Yes. No. Well, mm. I, uh, I, I, well, I, uh, I appreciate uh, everything you've said, and um, and I, I have to say that I'm very impressed by by the work that you do and by the sacrifices that you're making. Uh, I hope that, you know, that it sounds to me like you have a structural, you have a structure to work from. And I'm hoping, you know, I hope that that the things will, that you will, that the, the funds will come to you because hopefully you can get through this period of time where there's so few funds to a period of time when things will be a lot better. Um, but I, I'm going to think about a lot of that you said there. I, I, you know, I hope maybe there's a way in which we can reach out to providers to help. It's something that we should consider and think about more. Uh, you yeah, need, I mean, <clears throat> actually, we, we, we discussed well with Dr. Bronner and with some MAPS guys. Uh, we talk with ISIS. We'll soon publish a report they have done with us in Gabon in, in uh, September, October 2019. So we have some um, hope with few guys. Dr. Bronner is a great candidate for that. Maps uh, would be great if Maps listened to the podcast and, and come to us to talk. And uh, or also, if there's a very rich guy in, in, in the world who has been helped by Hypogain, it would be great to, to help exactly. us. You know, uh, you know that uh, Samuel Hell Jackson came to Gabon last year. Oh really? Yeah, with us he didn't wow. he didn't hit didn't hit Iboga, but he he came at Ebondo's temple with Tatayo to a ceremony. Wow! Uh, but uh, it has been very difficult to talk with him because he has huge bodyguards. Uh, we can't approach him easily, and he was a really really uh, really speed on his project. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's Gabonese. He's from Gabon, Samuel Jackson. So really? um, yeah, he, he did make some DNA tests and he did find he's, he come from ah, Gabon. Okay, okay. Yeah, from Benga people. And uh, also, there's um, someone from the um, Kardashian family, Scott Disick, uh, who has been healed with Ibogam. Uh, 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 there are some few VIP uh, who know Ibogam. So them few guys I would like to reach in the United States, like uh, maybe Bono or some few guys like that. Yes. Or, um, or uh, Afro-American people who knows well the, the, the addict, the addiction problem, who, are, who feel um, concerned about the necessity to connect Afro-American people to their roots, their background, to their original culture and spirituality. Those guys will be the great candidates for us. 
And um, I want to say I'm not the French neo-colonialist middle guy who try to control anything. We are such an enterprise. I can be fired. And I'm ready to give up my status if there's someone who can do the job in the best way than me. Um, and I, I'm just um, the voice of Gabonese people who don't talk English, who can't access to uh, new technologies, who can't travel, who, who doesn't have the world understanding of the international intercultural um, uh, subject. I'm just a voice of them. I, I didn't create anything. I just uh, listen to them. I'm just a vo the voice of them. If people, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really open to welcome people to Gabon to see on the field what's going on. Right. ICES, with, uh, ICES, that is the NGO of Ben de Lunen, um, uh, uh, has done that. It sent uh, Ricard Fora, who is the, uh, a professor, uh, to Gabon with us, with um, a movie team, uh, to make a report about that, to really yes. see that what I'm saying is not uh, only what Yann Guignon is saying, that is the real situation. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm a little bit, um, and, uh, some people don't trust me because I'm French and I'm white. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's like a, an, in, an uh, inverted uh, uh, racism that they do believe that uh, I talk at the place of uh, Gabonese people. But um, um, please just understand that I'm just the voice of those guys who don't have the voice, you know, and, and that's it. Yes, I, well, you know, uh, it's great that you have taken on this role because uh, it's really important. It's very valuable, and uh, you know whether or not you you get rewarded for it. Um, I'm sure in the greater scheme of things, rewards will come to you. So uh, thank you so very much for talking to me and being so open and helping me to understand the problems. I hope this podcast will help in some way uh, to uh, improve the situation and to help your organization to raise funds. Because from what I've seen, you, you really are um, putting an awful lot of effort and you are organized and you have, you have thought it all through. Uh, and, um, you know, there's no better person, it sounds to me, uh, to do the job than yourself. So thank you very much. It's been a, a pleasure. Uh, thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you. you so much, Albert. Uh, I really respect uh, also what you're doing. You, you know, you do a great job. You're very humble, and and uh, uh, yeah, thank you to to give a place to to this voice in your podcast and and to help us to spread the world. Uh, thank you uh, to to matter uh, about uh, this cause. We really need uh, uh, people like you to to spread the the message. And uh, I'm, I'm really open to talk with you whenever you need. If there's some misunderstanding or some stuff you want to understand in a better way, or if you want to come to Gabon, uh, of course, yes, you're, you're, I, yes, you're very welcome. <laughs> yeah, no, I will come to Gabon. And you know, there are various problems, of course, uh, in the Ibogaine community uh, and in your, you know, in, in in Gabon and so on and so forth. And through these podcasts, I myself am trying to understand and to find, uh, you know, direction and uh, ideas that that can somehow help because we're living in a world where it seems so many of us are, are, are you know, the, the meaning has gone out of people's lives and, and the work you're doing and the work that's going on in the IBGAME community gives meaning back to people's lives and that's where we should be, you know, making a difference, right? And uh, so I hope I will come to Gabon. I do hope, I'm looking forward to meeting Tatayo and yeah. I will meet you and uh, I hope that um, in, in a year's time if we talk again that there will be good news 
Yeah, I mean, if I got new good news, I will share with you. I'm yes. going to Gabon in 10 days, and uh, we're going to continue to raise awareness and to support the, the, the local communities. And uh, as soon as I got good news, I will be very happy to share it with you all. No yes, problem. and I will, you know, and anything I can do through the website, of course I will. So once again, thank you very much, and I wish you the very, very best, and uh, thank you. Yeah, bless you, Albert. Albert. Take care. Bye. <laughs>